0: Chapters sixty-five through sixty-seven of the Paradise or Garden of the Holy Fathers, Book One, by Palladius, translated by E. A. Wallace Budge. The LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter sixty-five of Sabbas, the Layman of Jericho. And there was a certain layman from Jericho whose name was Sabbas, and he had a wife. And this man loved the monks so much that during the night season he used to go round about in the desert and pass by the cells of the solitary monks therein, and outside the cell and habitation of each one of them, he would set down a bushel of dates and vegetables, which would be sufficient for his wants, for the monks who lived by the side of the Jordan did not eat bread, and thus this man sabbath supplied the wants of the monks. One day as he was carrying along a load of food for the usual needs of the monks, through the operation of the evil one, who was the adversary of the monks, a lion met him, which terrified him and wished to make him cease from his ministrations to these holy men and schemed to prevent him from performing his benevolent intent for their comfort. And the lion having overtaken him about a mile from the place where the monks were and having seized him by his hand in order to turn him aside from his business, he who by the hand of Daniel shut the mouths of the lions Shut the mouth of this lion also. Daniel 6.22, Hebrews 11.33 And the beast did this lover of alms no harm whatsoever. And although the lion was exceedingly hungry, he only took a very little of the things which Sabbath was carrying for the old men. And then he departed. And it is manifest that he who gave this man his life also satisfied the hunger of the lions. Chapter 66 of the blessed man Serapion of the girdle. And again, there was a certain blessed man whose name was Serapion, who was called Serapion of the girdle, because during his whole life he neither put on nor was clothed about with anything except the girdle wherewith he was girt about. And he led a life of the strictest self-denial and poverty. And though he was a wholly unlearned man, he could repeat all the scriptures by heart, and by reason of the greatness of his self-denial and the repetition of the scriptures, he was unable to live in a cell, because he could not make use of anything which belonged to this world. But he went round about at all seasons, and taught the multitudes, and he sold himself voluntarily, and he preached and taught, and turned many people unto God. And this form of self-denial was of his own choosing, and it was by such means as this, that he made his preparation for heaven. Now, there are very many ways of leading a stern life of self-denial, and many of the Venerable Fathers relate concerning him that on one occasion he took a fellow monk who sold him to some comic actors for 20 dinars in a city of the heathen, and having received these dinars, he tied them up in a bag and sealed them and kept them carefully, and then he became subject to and ministered in all humility to those actors who had bought him until he had taught them and made them Christians, and had freed them from following the business of the theater, And he never ate anything except dry bread and water, and his mouth never ceased from uttering the words of scriptures. Now the man who was the master of the actors was the first to become converted and enlightened by the word of God, and the next was his wife, and finally their whole house was converted. During the first years after the actors had bought him, and when they did not know who he was, he used to wash their feet with his hands, and having taught them and baptized them, he made them to be remote from their occupation in the theater. And they led a God-fearing life in all righteousness, and they held him in reverence and honored him, and marveled at his radiant life. Finally they said unto him, Come, O our brother, we will set thee free from the servitude, even as thou hast set us free from the slavery of heathenism. Then he answered and said unto them, Since God hath helped me, and your souls have been set free, and they have life, I will tell you my story, or thing, and my contending. I undertook this kind of work in order that your souls might have life. By race I am an Egyptian and a free man, but I am a monk vowed to self-denial and poverty, and for the sake of our Lord I sold myself to you, in order that your souls might be set free from the impurity of this world. Since now our Lord hath worked through my meekness, and your souls live, take your gold, and I will go to another place, so that I may be able to benefit others also. And they begged and entreated him, saying, Remain with us, and thou shalt be unto us a father and a master and a director. But he would not hearken unto their entreaty. And again they answered and said unto him, Give the gold to the poor, and let it be a pledge of life for us, and we entreat thee to see us if it be only once a year. Then this man, having gone round about, came to Hellas, and stayed in Athens three days, and no man gave him a morsel of bread. Now he carried nothing with him, neither purse nor wallet, nor head-cloak, nor anything whatsoever. And when the fourth day had come, he waxed exceedingly hungry, And he went and stood up on a certain high place, where all the free men of the city were gathered together. And he began to clap his hands, and to cry out with a loud voice, saying, O men of Athens, send help. And at the sound of his voice they all marveled. And the free men and the soldiers ran to him, and said unto him, What aileth thee? Whence comest thou? What hath happened unto these? Then he answered and said unto them, By race I am an Egyptian. And being a long way from my true country, I have fallen into the hands of three creditors. Now of two of these have departed from me, having taken that which was theirs, and now they have no debt against me, about which to chide me, but the third will not leave me. And the philosophers made inquiries of him, who these creditors were, and they said unto him, Show us who thy creditors are, and who it is that is afflicting thee, and we will entreat them to desist. Show us who they are, so that we may help thee. And he answered and said unto them, From my youth up, the love of money and fornication and the appetite of the belly have oppressed me. From the first two of these, that is, the love of money and fornication, I have been freed, and they no longer oppress me. But I am wholly unable to set myself free from the appetite of the belly. Behold, it is now the fourth day since I have eaten nothing, and the belly constraineth me. For it demandeth... That which is its usual debt, and unless this debt be paid, I shall not be able to live. Then certain of the philosophers thought that he had schemed this crafty device, in order that he might gain some benefit. And one of them took a dinar and gave it unto him. And having taken, he spent part of it in buying bread in their presence. And he took one loaf of bread, and straightway departed from the city. And he did not come back to it again. Thus the philosophers knew that he was indeed a wonderful man. And they paid the price of the loaf of bread which he had taken and received back the dinar. And having departed to another city, he heard there concerning a certain man who was the chief of the whole city and who was a Manichaean with all his house and who had several associates in the city. Then the monk, according to his former plan, sold himself to this Manichaean. And in two years, he was able to turn this man and his wife from their error and to bring them into the Catholic Church. And after they had learned who he was, they never again regarded him as a slave, but they honored him as a father and as a master, and they ascribed praise unto God. And on another occasion he determined to go to Rome, and he embarked in a ship which was going thither, that he might go with them, i.e. with the sailors. Now when the sailors of the ship saw that he boldly embarked in the ship carrying nothing with him, neither bread nor anything else, nor provisions for the journey, they thought that one of their number must have taken his baggage and placed it in the ship. Because of this thought, they received him unquestioningly, and having embarked when the sailors had sailed from Alexandria, a distance of about 500 stadia, each one of those who were sitting in the ship began at the time of sunset to eat. And the sailors also ate in their presence. And they observed that the monk did not eat on the first day and thought that he did not do so because of seasickness. And thus also it was on the second day and on the third day and on the fourth day. Now on the fifth day, whilst all those who were on the ship were eating their meal, he sat in his place and was silent. And as they were looking at him, they said, Why dost thou not eat? And he replied, I have nothing to eat. Then they began to make inquiries, and to cry out among themselves, Who among you has taken his things, or his provisions for the way? And when they saw that no man had taken anything from him, they began to dispute with him, and to say unto him, O man, how is it that thou hast embarked on a ship without provisions and money? Where wilt thou obtain the money to give us? For thy passage and he said unto them i have thought nothing whatsoever about it for an egyptian has no anxious care about anything but carry me back whence ye took me and cast me out if you wish now even if he had given them 100 dinars they would not have been able to take him back to alexandria and he therefore remained in the ship and they fed him until he arrived in rome and having come to rome he made inquiries and learned what monk or nun was there. And he found Ruminin, or Daminin, the disciple of Agrius, whose bed, after his death, cured every kind of sickness. And having seen him and spoken with him, he was greatly edified by him, for he was a man who was greatly skilled in the labors of ascetic life, and in speech and in knowledge, and he learned from him what monk and nuns were in Rome, in order that he might see them. Here, some editor of Palladius' remarks in another manuscript the following is written. And the Venerable Fathers relate concerning him that he once heard that there was in the city of Rome a certain nun who led a life of the strictest seclusion, who had never seen a man, and who used to think concerning herself that she was perfect. Then this blessed man threw himself into a ship and came to Rome. And having learned where she lived, he went and spake with the old woman who ministered unto her, And said unto her, Get thee in, and say unto the virgin, I desire to see thee most eagerly, because God hath sent me unto thee. And he waited two days, and then saw her. And when he saw her, he said unto her, Sit down thee. And she said unto him, I will not sit down, but will depart. And he said unto her, Whither goest thou? And she said unto him, To God. And he said unto her, Art thou living or dead? And she said unto him, I believe by God that I am dead, for who that liveth in the body is not able to depart therefrom. And he said unto her, If thou art dead, as thou sayest, do thou which I do. And she said unto him, Tell me what can happen, and I will do it. And again he said unto her, To one who is dead unto the world, it is easy to do everything except commit sin. And he further said unto her, Come down, and get thee out of thine house. Then she said unto him, I have not gone out of it for five and twenty years, why should I go out of it now? And he said unto her, If thou art indeed dead unto the world, and the world is dead unto thee, it is the same thing unto thee, whether thou goest forth, or dost not go forth. Come, get thee out. And she went out. And after she had gone forth, she followed him to a certain church. And he said unto her in the church, If thou wishest, me to believe that thou art dead to the world, and art not alive, in order that thou mayest be pleasing unto the children of men, do what I do, and then I will believe thee. And I shall know that thou art a dead woman, even as thou sayest. And she said unto him, Tell me what it is meet for me to do, and I will do it. Then he said unto her, Cast off thy garments, and put them on thy head, and walk through the midst of the city, and I will do likewise and I will go in front of thee in this guise. But the nun said unto him, I shall offend many folk by such a remarkable act as this. And then they would say, This woman hath gone mad, and hath a devil. And he said unto her, What need hast thou to consider their words, even if they should say, She has gone mad, and hath a devil? For according to what thou hast thyself said, thou art a dead woman unto them. And the nun said unto him, If there be any other thing except this, tell me, for I cannot come to such a measure of disgrace as this. Then he said unto her, Do not imagine in thy mind that thou art more perfect than any one else, or that thou art dead to the world, for I am far more dead to the world than thou art, and I can show thee that I am indeed so, and that I can boldly do this thing without feeling shame or disgrace. Then, having broken her spirit and humbled her pride, he departed from her. And there were many things of the same kind, which this same Serapion did in the world, for he despised both worldly shame and the glory which patheth away. He died in the age of sixty years, and was buried at a good old age, being adorned with all virtues. Chapter 67 The triumph of the blessed man Evlogius, who ministered unto the Arian, whose body was destroyed for the sake of Christ. The following story was related unto me by Cronius, the priest of Nitrea, who said, When I was a young man, I abhorred the monastery and fled from it, and from the head of the monastery, who was my instructor, and having lost my way and gone round about, I came unto the monastery of Mar Antony. Now he used to dwell between the mountains of Babylon and Heraclea, in a parched desert which led to the Red Sea, about 30 miles from the river Nile. And I was there in that monastery wherein dwelt those disciples of his who buried him when he died. Now their names were Marcius and Amatos, in a place which is called Espir, And I remained there for five days that I might be able to see the blessed Anthony, for they used to say, that he was in the habit of coming to this monastery from the inner desert once every five or ten or twenty days, according as God directed and brought him, to give help unto the souls who were thronged into his monastery, and to await him there, in order that they might be relieved by him. And the brethren also were assembled there, and waited for him also, each one of them having his own individual matter to lay before him. Now among them was a certain man from Alexandria, whose name was Evlogius, and with him was another man, an Arian, whose body was destroyed, i.e. he was a leper, and they had come because of this matter, and this man, Evlogius, was a scholastic, and he was the most educated of all the learned men of his time, but the love of the living God had suddenly come into his mind, and he made himself to be remote from the world, and he distributed all of the money which he had among the poor, and he left himself only a small sum, which was just sufficient for his bodily needs, for he was unable to work or to enter into a monastery with many monks in it, and besides this lassitude was contending with him, and he sought a little companionship. Now he went forth seeking to buy something which he wanted in the city, and he found in the market a certain man who was an Aryan, and whose whole body was destroyed. He had neither hands nor feet, but his tongue was sharp, and he employed it unsparingly upon every man whom he met. And when Avlogius had seen him and looked at him, he lifted up his eyes and his mind towards God, and he prayed and made this covenant between him and God, saying, O our Lord Jesus Christ, in thy name, O my Lord, I will take this man who is sick in his body, and I will relieve his wants all the days of my life, so that through him my soul may live before thee. But I beseech thee to give me power to endure in my ministrations to him. And having prayed, he drew nigh unto the man, and said unto him, I beseech thee, O man, to let me take thee unto my house, and to relieve thy wants. And the sick man said unto him, Why not? Then Avlogius said unto him, I will therefore bring an ass, and carry thee off. And he promised him, saying, I. And he went and brought an ass and carried him to the place where he lived. And he took care of him with the greatest diligence. And for a period of fifteen years, Evlogius relieved his wants with the greatest and most careful attention. And he even washed him with his own hands. And he did everything he could to alleviate the affliction of his sickness. Now after fifteen years, a devil began to stir in that Aryan. And he began to revile Evlogius, and to offer resistance to him. And he cursed him, and hurled after him insults and abuse, saying, O thou runaway slave, who hast eaten thy lord? Thou hast stolen the riches of other folk, and art spending them upon me, and thou thinkest to have life through me. Cast me out into the street, for I wish to eat flesh. And Evlogius brought him flesh, and again he cried out, and said, Thou wilt not persuade me to remain here by these means. I wish to go forth into the street, and I desire to see the world. By Jupiter, carry me out, and cast me where thou didst find me. If I only had hands, I would strangle myself. Now he spake thus through the madness of the devil which was with him. Then Evlogius rose up, and went to the neighboring monks, and said unto them, What shall I do? For this deformed man hath brought me to despair, I would set him free, only I have given my right hand in covenant to God, and I am afraid to do so. But on the other hand, if I do not cast him out, he will bring upon me bad nights and bitter days. What to do with him I know not. And they said unto him, Antony the Great is still alive, go to him, take the man with thee in his ship. And go thou up to him, and carry the man to his monastery, and wait there until he cometh from the desert, and then tell him thy business. And whatsoever word he shall say unto thee, thou shall perform. For God shall speak unto thee through him. Then Evlogios was persuaded by them, and he placed the man in a small boat, and he carried him to the monastery, wherein were the disciples of Anthony. And it came to pass that on the very day after Evlogios had arrived there, that great man came from the inner desert to his disciples in the late evening, and he was clothed in his skin cloak. Now whensoever he came to his monastery, he was in the habit of calling out to his disciple Marcius, and saying unto him, O my brother Marcius, have any brethren come this day from anywhere? And Marcius would say, Yea, then Anthony would say, Are they Egyptians or Jerusalemites? Now he had given Marcion this sign When thou seest brethren who are simple and innocent, say they are Egyptians. But when thou seest brethren who are venerable and are skilled in speaking, say they are Jerusalemites. Therefore, according to his custom, Anthony asked Marcius, Are they Egyptian brethren or Jerusalemites? And Marcius said, They are neither Egyptians nor Jerusalemites. Now when Marcius would answer, They are Egyptians, Antony would say unto him, Cook them a mess of lentils, that they may eat, and then dismiss them, and let them go in peace. And he would say a prayer on their behalf, and would straightway send them away. And when Marcius would answer, They are Jerusalemites, Antony would sit down the whole night, and would converse with them to the benefit of their lives. And on that night he sat down and called unto them all, and he discoursed, without any man having told him the name of one of them. And it was dark, and the night had come. And suddenly he cried out three times thus, Evlogius, Evlogius, Evlogius. And Evlogius the scholastic answered him never a word, because he thought that Antony was calling some other person. And again Antony cried out to him, Unto thee I speak, O Evlogius who has come from Alexandria. Then Evlogius said unto him, Master, what commandest thou me to do? Tell me, I beseech thee. And Anthony said unto him, Wherefore hast thou come? And Evlogius answered and said unto him, Let him that hath revealed unto thee my name declare unto thee for what purpose I have come. Then Anthony said unto him, I know why thou hast come. Nevertheless, declare it before the brethren in order that they may hear. And Evlogios answered and said unto him, I found this Arian in the street, or market, and I give the right hand to God, i.e. I made a covenant with God, that I would minister unto him, that I might live because of him, and he because of me. And behold, I have ministered unto him for the last fifteen years. And now after all these years he stirreth himself up against me, and causeth me tribulation. And I have had it in my mind to cast him out. Therefore I have come unto thy holiness, so that thou mayest advise me what I should do, and that thou mayest pray on my behalf, for I am greatly oppressed and am in sore straits. Then Anthony said unto him angrily and in a hard voice, If thou sendest him away, he who created him will not send him away. If thou dost cast him out, God who is better and more excellent than thou will gather him to himself. And when Evlogius heard these words, he set a brittle on his mouth and was silent. And having left Evlogius, Antony came to chastise the Arian with his tongue. And he cried out and said unto him, O thou deformed Arian, who art worthy neither of heaven nor of earth, wilt thou not cease to contend against God? Knowest thou not that he who ministereth unto thee is Christ? How canst thou dare to utter these words against our Lord?' Was it not for Christ's sake that Evlogios give himself to thy service? Then having made the man sorrowful, he ceased from Evlogios, and the Arian, and spake unto all the brethren who were there, unto every man according to his business. And he called unto Evlogios and the Arian, and said unto them, Turn ye not unto another place, but depart and separate not yourselves from one another, and return ye to the cell wherein ye have lived so long a time. For behold, God will send upon you your end. And behold, this trial hath come upon you, because the end of both of you is nigh, and because you are esteemed worthy of crowns. Therefore do not ye act in contrary manner, and let not the angel come after you, and not find you in your places, lest ye be deprived of your crowns. So the two of them departed and came to their cell. And in less than forty days after Vlogios died, and in less than three days afterwards the Arian died. Now this Cronius, who related unto us the narrative of this matter, tarried for a time in the monasteries which were in the Theobad. And he came down to the monasteries which were in Alexandria, and it happened that the brethren were gathered together, commemorating the death of Evlogios after forty days, and the death of the Arian after three days. And when Cronius heard, he marveled, And he took down a book of the Gospels, and set it down among the Brotherhood, and related what had happened, and he took an oath, and said, In all this affair, I was the interpreter for Mar Anthony, because he did not know Greek, but I know both languages, and I acted interpreter for both sides, turning Greek into Egyptian for Evlogios, and Egyptian into Greek for Anthony." Here endeth the first book of the histories of the Holy Fathers, which were compiled by Palladius. End of chapters 65 through 67. End of the Paradise or Garden of the Holy Fathers by Palladius. Book 1. Translated by E.A. Wallace Budge.